Hi, I'm Stephen and I'm the host of the Simple English News Daily podcast, downloaded over a million times. Monday to Friday, we tell you the most important stories everywhere in the world in just seven minutes. No opinion, just facts from politics, conflict, business, science, tech and everything else in the most simple way the story can be told. Understand the headlines from every continent every day in seven minutes. Go to send7.org or search in your podcast app for Simple English News Daily. Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from RAIN's Geopolitical Intelligence Unit. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's talk about China. It's been an historic year for the country, from a long and ongoing battle against COVID, a slowing economy, increased geopolitical tension with the United States and some neighbors in the Pacific, and so much more. And then there's the historic 20th Party Congress. Chase Blazik is here. He's an Asia-Pacific analyst with RAIN. Chase, it's great to talk to you again. Great to be here, Emily. So I'm going to start with the basics. What exactly is a party congress and why does it matter? Yeah, sure. So the the party is not the fun kind of party. This is the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) Uh, And China is a one-party state. So like in America, we have Democrats, Republicans. In China, they have the communists and the the communists, uh, technically, based on the party. So when the party has some sort of meeting, it is basically a meeting of all the people who matter in the government. Um, So this is the 20th uh, National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. These national congresses are held uh, every five years. Um, And this actually marks 100 years for the Chinese Communist Party since 1921 when they were founded. Uh, So a big deal for them. Uh, But these meetings are generally where uh, all the bigwigs, the the most important folks in the Chinese Communist Party, get together and discuss really broad topics of political goals. For example, in 2012, at the 18th Party Congress, this was when Xi Jinping came out with the concept of the two centenary goals that, you know, 100 years after the founding of the Chinese Communist Party, which brings us to to 2021, China would become... Um, this uh, moderately prosperous society, and then 100 years after 1949, which is the founding of the People's Republic of China, uh, China would become this you know, strong, democratic, modern so- socialist society. So these really broad goals, but they do matter because they shape policy long term. And, and more, I guess, immediately important is at these meetings, you see the, the highest ranks of the Chinese Communist Party, which is to say of the government of China, being filled uh, and refilled, uh, and we're also likely to to see um, who's going to be the next uh, general secretary, um, which uh, it's probably not hard for our audience to guess at this point. I guess not. <laughs> All right, so guessing aside, what are likely to be the key events of this 20th Party Congress? Yeah, so I hope I didn't keep the audience suspended for too long, um, but yeah, she is going to have a third term. Um, this is all but guaranteed 
Um, so that's one of the big events. He will be uh, named uh, again the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, which is the most important position in China. There's the presidency, which he also holds, but it's relatively meaningless. The general secretary is where it's at. So he's going to have that. Uh, he's also going to fill the the central committee, which is about two to four hundred of the most important political leaders of, of China. The Politburo, which is about 25 person, sort of elite crew, the Politburo Standing Committee, which is his cabinet, so to speak, um, and then a, a number of other um, institutions that he will fill. And what we're looking for here is to what degree all of those bodies are filled with loyalists, people who are loyal to Xi Jinping and his particular uh, policy peculiarities. Um, and to the extent that these bodies are filled with loyalists, we will see much of the same that we've seen over the last five years especially, but you can look back as far as 10 years, which is China becoming more aggressive, more uh, proud and dominant on the world stage, pushing these economic policies like rebalancing with the real estate sector, um, pushing zero COVID, which won't, I'm not saying that will last another five years, but you get my point. These sort of large policies that sometimes make the rest of the world tilt their head and think, what, what exactly are they doing there? These Xi Jinping favored policies will continue if these roles are filled with, with his loyalists. And if they aren't, then it's a sign that uh, the last year has been rough on his political legacy and that there are people uh, jockeying with the, within the Chinese Communist Party to bring back some semblance of stability to, to China's international role and also domestic politics. You'll also get a couple of... Um, less interesting developments. You'll get a work report from the last five years, which surprise, surprise, they're going to find out that the Chinese Communist Party did fantastic over the last five years on all marks. Um, but there will be some little parts of language within that work report that you can use to read into the current situation in China, the current situation uh, with anti-corruption, uh, with economics, with society and cultural values. You can sort of pick apart some of those those finer points within that work report. There also could be, um, this is the place where the party would uh, institute any changes to the party constitution. This is not the constitution of China, but the Chinese Communist Party's constitution, which again, because the Chinese Communist Party matters so much, it matters for all of China. The biggest change we're looking for here is could the party constitution change uh, Xi Jinping's co contribution to the party's sort of legacy from this long mouthful of Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era, take a breath after that one, to just Xi Jinping thought. And it sounds really esoteric and, I don't know, ego boosting, but that matters because the last person who had their name thought put in the party constitution was Mao Zedong when he was at the height of his power and just ruling China almost singularly. So if we do see Xi Jinping thought uh, sort of shortened uh, to, to just that, not this long mouthful of, of um, additional details, this would be another sign that this cult of personality around Xi Jinping is getting even stronger. Um, and then finally, we'll see a bit of a, a, a broad scale plan for where China is going to be going for the next five years uh, under the leadership of the party. Again, these will be very large scale goals, uh, perhaps uh, remaking and, or re-envisioning how China's industrial self-reliance policies will go, how China's strategic competition uh, with the West will go, um, pushes for society to become more, more socialist like Xi Jinping would like them to be, uh, perhaps something on Taiwanese 
policy. We, we don't know. Um, but these are the sort of big scale policies. We're not going to see very fine, finely detailed, we're going to do X policy at Y date over the next five years. These are broad scale developments, but they nonetheless could tell us where the party is going over the next five years, which is the, the largest and most important indicator of where China is going over the next five years. I think you've hinted at this a little bit, but just for clarification purposes, what happens after the party congress, both for Xi Jinping and for China? Yeah, I mean, after this, there's a little bit of a sigh of relief, right? He got this third term. Phew, thank goodness. Um, but it will be uh, the hard task of governing, <laughs> which is, is even worse. Um, China, as, as, as you mentioned at the, at the top of the show, um, Emily, is in the midst of some pretty rough economic hard times. They've, they've got the real estate crisis ongoing. Zero COVID policy is still, for some reason, lingering on. Uh, a, a drop in export demand, which is a large driver of the Chinese economy. Youth unemployment is high. Social unrest because of all of these developments is, is higher than we've seen in recent years. And so now <laughs> Xi Jinping, uh, with, a, with a renewed mandate, right, so a little bit more self-confidence, can pursue dealing with these issues. Um, because a lot of the last year has been, well, we have to take some sort of conservative policies and we can't change too much because it's ahead of the 20th party congress and you have to have stability ahead of that 20th party congress now with it in the rear view he can get back to governing so to speak um there's also the question then of who will succeed xi jinping right because if he's taking on a third term which is unprecedented since mao zedong himself this is breaking with the precedent that every leader has someone who will succeed him and they pretty early on in their final term, they start to designate who that successor will be. If he doesn't start pretty soon to designate a successor, there will be the question of a fourth term for Xi Jinping uh, come 2027. And if that seems to be the case, that there is no successor named, uh, we could see factionalism within the, within the Chinese Communist Party start to build up a little bit as those people who have been quite peeved, uh, quite upset with Xi Jinping over the last five to ten years, but they thought, that's okay, he won't live forever, he'll eventually be gone. They start to realize, oh no, he's going to be here for a, a while, so maybe we should start to try to change things up a bit. Xi Jinping still has the power, so there's no coup in the making if that's what people are starting to think, uh, but you get my point. This sort of political infighting could start if there's no clear sign of who could be a successor uh, in the near future to Xi Jinping. And then more immediately, we have the two sessions uh, coming up in March, which is sort of the most important annual, one of the most important annual meetings uh, for the Chinese Communist Party, where they will discuss uh, economic policies and the political tone for the next year. And then look at these short-term goals, like when do we end zero COVID, as well as how do we flesh out some of these broader ideas like China's global development initiative, uh, its global security initiative, and its plan for common prosperity, which is geared at uh, fixing wealth inequality uh, in China. Well, large tasks for a very large nation. <laughs> yeah, simple stuff. <laughs> Chase Blazik is an Asia-Pacific analyst with RAIN. You can keep an eye on developments with China at RAIN Worldview, our industry-leading geopolitical intelligence solution. With analysis, interactive graphics, risk trackers, and global threat monitoring are just a few of the functions in RAIN Worldview. Sign up for a trial at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.